Yeah, don't, don't judge me. That's my answers, not your answers. Uh, no, it's, it's great to be with you guys. Love having you here. Man, what a crowd. I mean, we got chairs, people everywhere. You know, there was a day and time this was hard to do, but man, thank you God for the growth. It's awesome. So I uh, love to see you guys. Want to welcome everyone in our sanctuary as well on uh, certainly a holiday weekend for our country. Another great Sunday to celebrate. I love that we have kids in the room. Kids, if you're here, let me hear from you. Can you just tell me you're here? If you're a kid, just say, I'm glad to be here, kids. All right, let's hear you from you. Yeah, yeah, all right. All right, now I'm gonna need you to be quiet. Okay, so. I lo- actually, I, I love that we have kids in here because you're a part of the body of Christ. And speaking of kids, uh, this last week, we did have our vacation Bible school, as was mentioned to you, which was awesome to see so many of you serving and uh, so many of you just chipping in and being a part of, of this incredible week. And we celebrate a lot of great victories, but uh, you may not know this, we had 99 professions of faith at VBS. Isn't that awesome? 99. We try our best to, to vet those, because certainly kids sometimes can say, you know, raise a hand and you talk to them, and, uh, and they're just not quite ready yet. And so we, we try to filter all that, but as best as we can tell, and we're not God, only God can save, uh, there are 99 kids who uh, seem to understand the gospel and are putting their faith and trust in Jesus, and, and, we, and we love that. So today we're starting this summer series, just in the month of July, kind of a short deal, called Summer Essentials. We're gonna be in Galatians chapter two. And, I, and as you're turning there, I just wanna ask you, what are your summer essentials? Like, what are, what are the things that you have to have for it to be a great summer? I, I just thought about a couple things, maybe just brought a few suggestions of, you know, the kind of things you want in the summer. I mean, stuff like uh, certainly go to the beach. You got to have little, you know, toys for the beach. Uh, You may have uh, magazines, you know, for us, it's probably Fly Fisher magazine. My wife's going to read Southern Living, World magazine, love that. So you got to have, you know, magazines, uh, toys for the beach, water guns. You got to have goggles. That's great. Uh, Beach balls are always fun. Love that. All right. uh, some, some of you are traveling, uh, it's, it's a crazy Sunday, all right, so some of, some of y'all are traveling around the world or have just gotten back, so of course you need a, you need a passport for that. Uh, you need insulated cups for your beer beverages, and um, so uh, certainly, I don't know why that was funny, but uh, certainly you, you need sunscreen, lots of things you need. Uh, two of my favorites, I'm going to talk about these today. These are essential for me. Now, this may not be true for you. Certainly, you're going to need sunglasses. So I got these, you know, high-end quality uh, Johnson Fury uh, sunglasses. And then, uh, for me, I, I have to have bug spray. Because I don't know about you, but I'm like a bug buffet, all right? So, uh, and these are the types of things that, you know, we, we use in the summer. Now, Those are important for our travels and our time at the beach and that kind of thing. Today, we're gonna start talking about some of these essential ideas and verses that are foundational to our faith. Over the next few weeks, you're gonna hear uh, us, and it's gonna be a teaching team, us talk about some of these critical verses in our own lives. In fact, the verse that I'm gonna talk about today, I've often said is a life verse for me, I, I love this verse and what it means, and is found in Galatians chapter two. 
And if you're new today, if you wanna follow along, every single week in our listening guide, we give you a fill in the blanks. And these are great for adults, great for kids, just to help you follow along and to go back and to think about whatever you heard today. And so I want you to use that if that's helpful for you, but I want you to turn to Galatians chapter two. And we're gonna look at two verses, all right? 19 and 20. And if you are part of our family, you know what I'm about to ask you to do. If you're new, this is a new deal for you, but we all, there we go, we always stand, love it. I don't have to ask anymore, they're just standing. Galatians 2, let me read for you 19 and 20. This is from the Apostle Paul, though of course we always credit God as being the primary author of all scripture. Verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Father, that is really the identity statement for every single Christian, to say, I have been crucified with Christ. Lord, I pray you'd help us just to dwell on that, to think about that for a few minutes this morning. Uh, whether we're in the third grade or we're in our 90s, Lord, we can all learn what this verse means for us in our life. It's essential. So Lord, teach us by your word, and we'll pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a seat. I love this verse for many reasons, but in terms of just the practical need for this verse, I don't know about you, but if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you would say this, oftentimes the Christian life is hard. I'm not saying it should be hard, but it is often hard, especially when we live in a culture that doesn't often promote the things that we follow and say that we believe and love as followers of Jesus. And, and compounding that it's hard is the fact that my resources and yours are woefully inadequate. So, so we need verses like this to remind us of the power of, of the gospel. Now, I'm gonna throw that word out a lot today, the gospel, and it's almost shorthand around us because we use it all the time. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you may think about the gospel like one of those four first books of the New Testament, you know, the gospel, Matthew, John, that kind of thing. But when I say gospel, it's really just a shorthand word for the entire plan of God's salvation. What God is doing through Jesus to change not only my life, to hopefully change your life, but to change the world itself. That's the gospel. And, and in these two short verses, we have a wonderful summary of the gospel. In fact, someone once called Galatians 2.20 the Declaration of Christian Independence. This is what it means to have freedom in Christ, to live, to live in Christ. Now, we're not studying the whole book of Galatians, but every time you look at a Bible verse, you always wanna ask, what's going on, what's the context? Well, in Galatians, what we see is that there's this church of Jesus living in the freedom of the gospel, and then these false teachers come in. History tells us they were called the Judaizers. 
They're people who are saying things like, yes, it's okay for you to follow Jesus, but you still need to keep the old covenant law. Now, most of us didn't grow up Jewish, so this didn't hit us in the way it would have them, but, but if you grew up Jewish and you grew up with all these rituals and cultures under the old covenant, you, you heard that, hey, in Christ, I'm free from those things. Those things led me to Christ, but now in Christ, I'm no longer bound to the law. But these false teachers had crept in and said, no, 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 you still have to uh, not eat certain things and, and dress certain ways and keep up certain Sabbaths and rituals. So the question is, are we bound to those things or is there a newfound freedom that we have in Jesus? And so here he talks about the gospel. Now, now kids, this is where I wanna give you a word to write down, all right? It's a big word, not a word you use a lot. But it's a key word in the book of Galatians. And, and the word is this, all right? So if you're a kid or even a big kid, you can write this down. The word is righteousness, righteousness. Now, you might have to look how to spell that on the screen, but righteousness. And, and kids, when we say righteousness, there's a lot of big, wonderful definitions for it. A very easy shorthand would be this. It's being right and doing right in God's eyes. So righteousness is both being right and doing right in God's eyes. In other words, it's following God's definition. God's standard of what is right. So for just a few minutes, I wanna to talk to you about the gospel as it relates to these verses and two particular functions of the gospel that help us to follow Jesus. So we're gonna talk about how the gospel, first of all, it, it covers something. Now, now I, I told you that bug spray is one of my favorite, uh, you know, essentials of, of uh, the summer. And I don't, maybe it's just me, like Terica and I, my wife, we'll go outside, they don't even touch her. They see me come in like 100 yards away, right? I'm, I'm like a bug buffet, they, they love my skin. I tell her it's because I'm so much sweeter than her, she doesn't believe that, but. But actually the reality, I, I, I looked it up, your body emits carbon dioxide and that's actually part of what attracts the bugs. And, and when you put this repellent on you, it, it basically shields them from knowing that you are there. You're putting this protective cover on you to shield you from that which could harm you. Well, in a way, the gospel itself protects us. It, it covers us, you know, if you will. How does it cover us? Well, two ways. Number one, the gospel covers the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. Paul said in verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. What was the law? The law was God's standard to let his people know where they would find life and blessing in him. The law also pointed out ways in which they fell short of God's perfect standard. To use metaphors we might be familiar with, the law is a mirror in that when we look into the law, we see our own hearts. It's a stop sign that often when we're going down the wrong direction, the law would say, stop, don't go any further. The, the law is like the badge of a policeman. And that sometimes when we break the law, 
There's punishment found in the law of God. The law is also like a, like a teacher, teaching us the ways of God and a guardian that would lead us to Christ. So the law is not a bad thing. And we don't need to think about the law as being a bad thing. Paul never talked about the law being bad or evil, but the law had an intended purpose and it was to lead us to the righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ. So one time Paul had to confront Peter. You can go read this on your own, but earlier in in Galatians 2, Peter, the same guy who preached the first message of the church, the same guy who had a vision that now all things are clean before the Lord, Gentiles and Jews. This is a guy who for years had lived in the freedom of Christ. I mean, as a Jewish person, there were certain things he could not eat, but now in Christ, all things are, are clean. Peter's loving his, uh, his jambalaya with andouille sausage. He loved that. He loved some crab dip. Right? He, he loved to mix uh, some some meat with some rich cream sauce. These are all things you couldn't do in the Old Covenant. And Lord knows he loved bacon, amen. We love bacon. Bacon (laughs) is the miracle of the New Covenant. Pig eats trash, out comes bacon, every single time. And, And Peter had enjoyed this freedom, but then these people came in and he stopped doing it. Not because he was trying to be a good witness to them for Christ, but he started kind of falling back into the law thinking, well, yeah, yeah, I got Jesus, but I still need to refrain from eating certain foods. And and Paul says he had to confront him to his face to oppose him because he had fallen back into the law. When Christ came and when he died on the cross for our sins, there was a great exchange. I love how 2 Corinthians 5 says it. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become, all right kids, here's a word, we might become the what? The righteousness of God in him. When we have Christ, we have his righteousness. Christ died for us, the question is, have we died with him? Christ died for us, but even those of us who are believers, have we died with him? That seems to be the point of the text. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Not just, hey, Christ was crucified for me, but when I think about my life, I have been crucified with Christ. This is the attitude that every Christian should live with, that we, are, we have died to the old way of living, we have died to our old selves, and we have a new life in Jesus. One of my favorite quotes about, about living sacrifices is from Richard Foster, he says this. He says, the problem with living sacrifices is that they keep trying to climb off the altar. And isn't that true? That, that we like the idea of death to self, but that's really hard to do. We have to die to self. And so the Christian life begins with realizing that the gospel covers my penalty of sin, that I'm free in Jesus and I, I, can, I can die to my old sinful ways and live for Jesus. When I was a, a kid, there was a very popular movie um, called Weekend at Bernie's. Anybody remember Weekend at Bernie's? Anybody remember that? And uh, not to go through the whole plot, but Bernie is this kind of rich guy who's caught up in a lot of trouble, and then he basically figures out a way to, to put his crimes on these two new young employees in his company. And so he invites them out to his rich beach house. Well, 
Apparently because Bernie was running with the wrong crowd, a hitman came and he killed Bernie. And so when these two young men get here, they figure out that Bernie's not just asleep, Bernie is dead. And so the, the whole movie is this funny movie about them dragging around Bernie everywhere they go. And what's funnier than dragging around a dead guy everywhere you go? Uh, he goes to parties, he rides on golf carts. One time he just falls out of the boat and he's just banging all the little buoys along the way. Dragging that corpse around. I wonder how many of us are still dragging our old life around. Dragging the old us, the old things we used to do, all those sinful habits and patterns and things we used to do. Folks, when Christ died and we put our faith in him, we died with him. And the gospel covers the penalty of sin, which is death. If you're not a believer today, your sins have not been dealt with if you have not appropriated Christ's sacrifice to your own life by repenting of your sin and putting your faith in him. You need the gospel to cover the penalty of your sin. But what else does the gospel cover? I'll just mention this briefly. The gospel covers our need to perform. You see, the, the problem that Peter faced was a problem of legalism thinking that if I just keep the rules, God is okay with me. And I think that's a temptation for all of us to think that our righteousness, here's our key word, is based not on what God has done for us, but based on what we do for God. Faith and work go together. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, said this, we are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. Meaning if we have true faith, it shows itself in how we live and how we carry ourselves for the Lord. And I think this is just difficult because we all have a tendency to fall back into our performance culture because we live in a culture where achievement is rewarded. That's not always bad. So I have three daughters uh, and particularly my oldest daughter and now my middle daughter, they're starting to get jobs uh, you know, sometimes they're little jobs helping people and get paid, and, and I love that. I, I want to teach them about money. I don't want them to be scared of it. I don't want them to think that money is a bad thing. I also want them to see that money is a morally neutral thing, and you can do good things with it. It can also do bad things to you. And, and so I, I want to help them to see that there's a reward from hard work, that if you, if you work hard, you are compensated for your work, and you get to enjoy the benefit of your work through the money that you earned. And that's a good lesson to, to have, but we often project that onto our Christian lives and we think that everything is about us achieving. That's why a lot of people think that the way that you have a relationship with God, the way that you go to heaven, is that you do good things for God. And as long as you do more good things than bad things, then when you get to heaven, there's a big scale in heaven, and as long as the good part of you outweighs the bad part of you, God lets you into heaven. Can I tell you that is the exact opposite of the gospel. The gospel is never about what you do, it's about what was done for you in Christ. Good people do not go to heaven. That, that may surprise you, because that's what you think. Who's in heaven? Well, the really good people. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who are forgiven 
and who are given the righteousness that comes through Christ because they have been crucified with Christ. I love this verse because it's just a wonderful summary of saying, this is what I want my life to look like. I have died with Christ. The old version of me is dead and gone and I have buried that person, but now I am living for and with Christ. Christ is living in me. So the gospel not only covers certain aspects of our lives, but the gospel also gives us two particular traits, and I think these are important. And I think about them with sunglasses. Of course, sunglasses work, any kind of glass work. I've often thought that this is what the Christian life is like. That when you become a Christian, it's not like everything in your life changes immediately. A lot of people think that. You still might have some of the same struggles. You still go to the same job. You still have the same family. You still might have the same physical ailments. You, you have all the same conditions, but it's like God gives you a new set of lenses. Now, the reason that we wear sunglasses, I wonder how long I could do this and you would take me seriously. The, the reason <laughs> that we wear sunglasses are, are really two very practical reasons. Number one, when you're in the sun, the, the shade protects my eyes from the UV rays that can damage my eyes. And in the brightness of the sun, these glasses help me to see. You know, if you go to a very white beach, a lot of y'all have been down to the Gulf 30A or you're going down there and you got these beautiful white sugary sand beaches. Well, when it's hot, if you don't have sunglasses on, it's very difficult to see and painful to the eyes. And so these sunglasses give us the ability to live freely and to see. Well, in a way, the gospel is the same deal. What does the gospel give us? Well, number one, we just said it, the gospel gives us the ability to see. Paul says this in Romans 20, I mean, uh, uh, Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And here's the key phrase, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I am still living this life in the flesh. I'm still living, going to the same job with the same family and the same routines and some of the same issues, but even though I'm living in the flesh like every other human being, I'm now living in faith, walking in faith, seeing as God sees, seeing his righteous standard, his righteousness that he has for us. It's like, have you ever seen those videos where, uh, sometimes it's a baby, but it's usually some old guy that gets those uh, you know when guys are colorblind and they get those glasses and they can see for the first time? Have you seen these videos? You know, someone gives their dad this for Father's Day and he's like, what do you want me to put these on for? You know, he puts them on, they got balloons everywhere. He's probably thinking, why you got balloons everywhere? But, you know, he sees these balloons and then, you, and then he starts crying and then I'm crying. I'm crying at some dude seeing color, right? I'm, I'm crying at this. And, and it's because he is seeing for the first time. You know, you will never see as God wants you to see until you have been crucified with Christ and you live by faith in the Son of God. Living by faith, living by trusting in Jesus. So sometimes we think living by faith means taking huge risks for God. And sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes living by faith is simply just being faithful 
in a culture that wants you to compromise. It's just saying, hey, look, I, I'm gonna be faithful to Jesus and live by faith no matter what. There was a story this past week that came out of the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, there was a the case uh, involving something called uh, 303 Creative, and this is a company led by Lori Smith. You can see a picture of her here. And this is a web designer in Colorado who did web designs for all different types of company and people, and she served everybody. Now, at, at issue here in Colorado was, it had to do with LGBT uh, advocacy, and she had had a number of LGBT clients in the past, and that wasn't a big deal. She kind of served everybody. But when it came to wedding websites, which is a popular deal for people today, um, she refused. And in that way, she's very much like the cake baker and the others who, in the name of endorsing marriage, she refrained based on her Christian beliefs. And, and I'm glad that the Supreme Court ruled in favor for her, saying that the state of Colorado could not compel her free speech. And I think that's wonderful. But maybe the bigger lesson, I think, is just this is what it looks like to live by faith in a world that often wants us to fall. We live in a world that doesn't side with Christian values. We live in a world that doesn't side with Christian beliefs. And, and you may, may or may not like that, but the reality is that we're no longer the home team. Even in this country, we are the away team. But we're still called to play the game. We're still called to live by faith. We're still called to be salt and light. We're still called to be winsome and loving and yet also stand firmly on the foundation that is the truth of Jesus and the authority of the word of God. We're to live by faith. And, and the way that we can do that is not by being really strong and courageous. It's by saying, hey, the life I live in the flesh, I'm gonna live by faith in the Son of God. I'm gonna look at him and who Jesus is and what he wants and his, what his desire is. And I'm gonna walk by faith in him. And when I understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus, I can see people the way God wants me to see him. I can see situations the way God wants me to see. The gospel gives me the ability to see. And finally, the gospel gives me protection from discouragement. Remember what I said about sunglasses? One of the main reasons that we wear them is to protect our eyes from dangerous UV rays that could hurt our eyes. Did you know that when we, when we know Jesus and his righteousness, and when we've been crucified with him, one of the things it does is it protects us from discouragement. I, I love what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, I'll read the whole verse again. I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the, fl in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I love this little thing at the end. Who loved me, and gave himself up for me. Here he's focusing on the great love and the provision of God through Jesus. Jesus one time told the story, Jesus loved to tell parables. I love the parables of Jesus. Did you know this fall, we're gonna actually do a whole series on just the parables, looking forward to that. But one of the parables Jesus told, it's, it's one that when you hear it, you're thinking, that's kind of, I don't know, Jesus sounds kind of harsh until you understand what he's saying. It's in Matthew 22. Jesus tells this parable about, about a wedding. And there's this guy that throws this big wedding. And back in those days, uh, 
the person throwing the wedding, of course, would provide all the things, but he would also provide robes for the people to wear to the wedding. And he goes out and he invites all these people to a wedding and everyone turns him down. They either don't have time for it or they're distracted by it or they simply don't wanna come. And so the one, the king who's throwing this wedding is furious. And so he tells the servant, all right, I want you to go out to, to not the common places. I want you to find anyone you can to come to this wedding. So they go out and invite all the people that you would not think would get invited to this wedding. People who are hurt, people who are distracted, people who are discouraged, people who maybe didn't even believe in God. He, he invites them all to this wedding and they're at this feast. And he's looking around, there's this one guy that's there and he doesn't have on the robe that the king provided for the people. And in the story that Jesus tells, the king says, throw that man out. Throw that man out into a place where there's gnashing of teeth and weeping. And Jesus' whole point is this. For 2,000 years, he's been calling people to come to him, to experience the grace that's only found in him, to come to his wedding. Come join yourself with him, he says. Come find the righteousness of God in me, he says. And the point of the parable is one, to talk about the the outright rejection of many people to Jesus, namely in the New Covenant, I mean, the New Testament would be largely Jewish people who are turning away from Jesus. But there was also people who came to the wedding and didn't want to wear the robe. We have a word for that. It's called self-righteousness. Instead of taking the robe that God has provided for you, you think it's up to you so that you can stay in control and you want to try to formulate your own righteousness. And those people are thrown out of the kingdom. God says, I'm inviting all of those who would come and take my robe of righteousness found in my son, and you are welcome. One thing I love about the gospel, yes, it gives us the ability to see, but it also gives us protection from discouragement. And a lot of you right now are in a time of discouragement. That when the doctor says something that you weren't prepared for, you can still say, I have faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When you are falling back into old sinful patterns, I know it's one thing to say, yeah, I've been crucified with Christ, but why did I then go and do what I did last week? I have so much shame. You can say there's a God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When you are tempted, when you are accused by Satan to remind you of all the ways that you think you're a failure, there is a God who has loved you and given himself for you. In fact, maybe it's just good to say this one statement. I'll, I'll say it, and I'd love for you to say it with me. This is the statement. I think it's so appropriate to say again and again, only because of Jesus, and it's this. I am fully loved by my heavenly Father. Did you know that? That you are fully loved by your heavenly Father. Why, why do I say that? Because Christ has been crucified for you and now you can be crucified with him, living a life, yes, in the flesh, but by faith in the Son of God who what? Who loved you and gave himself for you. In fact, you, you may believe that, you may not, but could we just, can we just say that together? Let's, let's say it. What, what's the statement? Let's all say it together. I am fully loved by my heavenly Father. Say it one more time. I am fully loved by my heavenly Father. That is the power of the gospel. And I believe like those 99 kids who gave their lives to Christ this last week, there's someone here today on this holiday weekend with 
a crazy packed room and babies crying and beach balls flying. I can't imagine a better weekend than on a weekend dedicated to freedom for you to finally find freedom in Christ. And I wonder if there's someone here today who needs to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Who needs to go from a life of self-righteousness to the life of God-given righteousness through Jesus Christ. Someone here today, I think, needs to give their life to Jesus. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray a prayer and ask for your sins to be forgiven and for you to be given the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's pray that together. Father, we give this service to you, and Lord, I, I do believe that right now in this room, there's someone right now that came in here today, and they need to leave changed by saying yes to Jesus, and to say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you gave yourself for me, that you loved me, and that in you, I can have the righteousness of God. Save me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus. And may I live a life built and based upon the great promises of God in Jesus. Lord, I pray that to you now as a child of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.